Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We're here to continue Extinction Agenda. we got part five and part six coming up on this here episode. We're starting with New Mutants, number 96, December 1990, October 9th of 1990. The cover price of a dollar. So it's titled United We Stand. Uh, we got a Rob Liefeld cover. It's probably the best part of this issue, as far as the art goes. Meh. Yeah, that's a good cable. Beast is kind of blobbish. It's a decent beast. It's kind of weird that the he's his leg is up over the New Mutants logo, and I don't I don't know why. It just feels like why are we interacting with this logo? It serves no purpose. Beast is very wide. He's very Rob Liefeldy. And it's weird that he's on the cover because you you look at this cover and you're like, oh, weird. It's a Beast Cable team up. Well, this is a uh, this is the direction that Extinction Agenda is going in, and the X Factor cover that we'll be covering. Oof. It's well, let's, let's save that <laughs> one is, for for the X Factor discussion. It's got cable though. This is my point. Oh, so, yeah, it does. Share and share alike. Sure. This is a crossover, baby. Everybody's in everything. Yeah, so it's a it's a cover. It's decent. It's, it's like the interior art uh, is hit or miss. Yes. So this cover is probably the most consistent piece of this puzzle. Yeah, I think the takeaway that I have for the art is when the panels are big is when the characters pop. But when the panels are small, it all feels kind of phoned in. This whole issue feels like layout-wise, it is not very dynamic. It is it is Rob Liefeld trying to keep up with a deadline Mm. And I'm just imagining this, but it seems like he's he doesn't like he doesn't have his usual pizzazz. It's very uh, it's a, it's a very much a normal comic book, mm-hmm. uh, and even even kind of subdued in that he doesn't he everything's a close up or a medium shot. It's it's yeah not his usual pizzazz. So as we open up this book. Uh, we have some kids that serve no purpose to this book, but uh, they're watching the hollow 3D presentation. I guess it's presented by a telemutate, uh, and it's so much cooler than normal TV because they can watch the news in 3D. And this is where we get effectively the story recap. Uh, yeah. uh, Psylocke and Wolverine have been captured, and they're... Uh, was some naked magistrates and the people that took over those naked magistrates which would have been, well, I guess that would have been Psylocke and Wolverine. Yeah, have been captured. Who's the dude behind Psylocke and Wolverine? Just some guy? I don't know. Because when you look at this panel, it sort of looks like this is like a flying mutate that is also (laughs) levitating Wolverine and Psylocke. Maybe he's the telemutate. I don't know. I think that maybe maybe the telemutate works in coordination with a broadcast mutate. And the, sure. uh, the telemutate has to connect to the broadcast mutate, and the broadcast mutate uh, broadcasts by placing his hands above his subjects. <laughs> <laughs> so he's always in the background. That very well could be. Uh, and um, these there's some magistrates here that are patrolling the alleyways that these kids are watching the telemutate show, and they've got a tracker mutate. Um, and they're like, get out of here, kids. There's mutants around. And these kids are all in on Genosha. And they're like, well, this is our country. And if there's trouble, 
We'll give it back doubly so. Oh, so I thought the tracker mutate was the telemutate, but I think I think you're right. The guy yeah. in the background is the telemutate. That makes no sense at all to me. Why did the kid? Why did the kids say they wish they had a telemutate if a telemutate can apparently broadcast anywhere? It, yeah, I don't, I don't know because as you as you look at these panels, it sort of looks like these magistrates are walking around with the telemutate who's broadcasting. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like this uh, uh, propaganda, so that everybody knows, like Genosha's on top. Genosha's got the problem under control, but then. It turns out that that guy is the tracker, who we'll find out more about later, which leads to this sort of Superman-looking mutate, who must be the telemutate, whose only yeah. job in life is to three-dimensionally broadcast the news. To the square for some reason. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like, why would the kids think that they could even have one of these? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's how kids are. Never mind. I don't know. Kid, kids are dumb. <laughs> yeah, I think the other thing that's confusing about this is that ultimately we'll find out that these kids are in an alley or the whole sort of conflict that happens is in an alley. But your idea of it being in a square makes so much more sense. But the way the whole panel is laid out, like everything is like claustrophobic and tight, that it doesn't yes. make any sense. Like why are they broadcasting this here for like four people? Yeah, the only thing that gives me the idea that it's in a square is that there's a handful of people in the first panel, but all those people are gone in every following <laughs> panel where it does look like it's in an alley. And then we cut to an alley. So, I mean... Yeah, it, it's very confusing. This is why Louis Simonson left the book. You yep. can't deal with this Liefeld kid. Well, it's just an example of this is this is Liefeld. This is probably Liefeld that is worse that we've seen him in that he just feels behind the ball. Mm -hmm. Like, they're are some pages that are more dynamic than others still, but the, clearly the pages that are less dynamic, he is like, oh, I got to get these pages done. And, I, and you know, I mean, that's just my imagination, but it doesn't have his usual zepow. Yeah, well, and his anchor's not really doing him any favors either. He's got two anchors, as we'll learn, on the uh, two-page spread. Yeah. And you can totally tell the difference. Yeah, and the two-page spread actually... Is pretty good as far as Liefeld yeah. art goes, and Boom Boom to he me started with this page gets a like a facelift basically, and now she sort of <laughs> looks like Skids. She doesn't look like classic mall going teeny bopper uh, Boom Boom. She kind of looks like Skids. I didn't have a problem with it, but now that you're mentioning it, yeah, I guess she does kind of. <laughs> she's the Skidsified version. Okay, I get that. I was looking at Jubilee. And thinking that she looks a little different, but yeah, mainly it's the costume. And so they're all sort of griping about how Jubilee's in charge and stupid Wolverine left her in charge and the X-Men are so stupid. She may be a butthead, but she has a point. The magistrates have our IDs and they don't even know what she looks like. So it's logical for her to go, uh-oh, trouble. There's a bang, blam, karam. Um, a boom boom does say she really stinks is that she practically has the same powers I did before Wipeout blocked them. That's interesting. Yeah. I've really thought of Jubilee's and boom boom's powers as the same, but kind of, sort of. Yeah. So uh, the plan here was Jubilee was going to go steal some food and I guess she got her hands on some burgers, but then the magistrates and the tracker that we just talked about, uh, uh, uh got wind of her scent and she dropped the burgers, uh, and she, 
she's running away from them. She blinds them and she's like, all right, well, it sucks. I didn't get the burgers, but I'll take care of it. Uh, but meanwhile, Richter and Boom Boom are like, oh, man, why would you lead them right to us? <laughs> she's like, what? No. And so the plan was, I guess the, the modified plan was that Jubilee caused a distraction to give them time to run away. Uh, and she'll go back and forth about like, Wolvie's always said, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, Which I kind of like. Like normally when she's with Wolverine, she's like, I don't need his help. But now that she's on her own, she keeps saying, Wolvie says this. Like, I like that. Yeah, no, it, it, it's good character development. I like it. But they're sort of like really playing it up. But <laughs> I guess that's the point. Uh, but Richter and Boom Boom are like, no, we're going to fight them, even though we don't have our powers. And then Boom Boom does, I don't know what this pose is, but it's crazy. So in the uh, hardcover, we get the another inserted page here. Oh, yeah? Where after um, Jubilee leads them into the alley where Boom Boom and Richter are waiting, there's basically a pointless setup for this uh, kick thing that Boom Boom does where she says, yeah, we're going to fight. And then Richter says, yeah, we're also going to fight. I mean, basically it's them standing around and getting ready to fight for an entire page before they jump into this action pose. I, uh... it's, and, it, and it actually looks like Rob Liefeld drew it. So it's either Rob Liefeld or a Rob Liefeld imitator. Um, whereas the previous ones we uh, had noted looked nothing like well, that's interesting art. because in my hardcover, I don't have that inserted page. It's in the back. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, it's on, it's on like one of the last five pages. This page was added to X-Men Extinction Agenda trade paperback to oh, balance okay. spreads. It was inserted after page 199, technically yep, not Yep, sure. I see. Uh, I, I get it. And and from a pacing perspective, I actually feel like it makes a little bit more sense to have this page inserted because you cut right from like, we're in an alleyway. And then the next panel is boom, boom, in midair, kicking somebody in the face. So yeah, it works either way for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think for, for me anyways, like the dynamic of, of, well, the setup is unnecessary, but they needed to fill the page. But that half page panel of her, sort of leaping out towards the magistrate, which is actually a pretty good drawing. And then that transitioning into Liefeld's like ninja kick works a little bit better. But no matter how you do it, setup or no setup, like this drawing of Boom Boom doing her kick, it's really <laughs> silly looking. It's a classic dynamic Rob Liefeld pose. Whacked. Uh now, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go out on on the record here and and say that it's it's bad. It's terrible. It's really bad. Like it's a good face, uh, good arms, but like <laughs> the, the legs are just ridiculous. Yeah, it's they're terrible. But and, and she's like eight feet in the he's air. Going for. She's she she's above the other magistrate's head. Yeah, you know it's it's yes, it's uh, it defies the laws of physics and all reason, but it's cool. I like it. <laughs> Anyways, um. So yeah, uh, Richter and Boom Boom show like we don't need powers. We've got our training and we can take these guys out. We learned from Cable. Cable's the best. Yeah. I just wish this was the. Uh, I just wish this magistrate was the gene engineer or that monster Hodge. Mm-hmm. So they see that the tracker is now quivering and he doesn't want them to beat him up. And he's like, hey, uh, the, the relax, kid. We're not going to hurt you. Poor kid's trembling. More scared of us than the magistrates. 
He can't seem to understand he's been rescued. Haven't you guys been around much? Uh, Wolverine told me the mutates are all like that. The Ginginger does something to their brands that makes them docile, so they can't think for themselves. They can only take orders. Sort of like flesh and blood machines. It's creepy. They act like robots. Thank you for the exposition dump. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we go back to uh, the... Uh, we, actually, we, did, we skipped the credits. Um, Louis Simonson writer, Rob Liefeld penciler. So we got Art T-Bear and Joseph Rubenstein inking. And I think the more familiar uh, Rob Liefeld stuff is Art T-Bear. Okay. And the less... Uh, the less nuanced Rob Liefeld stuff is Joe Rubenstein. Task Force Z are the letters. What? what? <laughs> Steve Bucolato is the colorist. Bob Harris is editor. Tom Falco editor in chief. So we immediately cut to a page that is not Art T-Bear. Yeah. Because it doesn't look as good. And the layouts are uh, boring. Like there's no there's no dynamic posing or anything like that. It's Well, Cable's got a like a dynamic pose. It's like half Rob Liefeld. Like he likes drawing cable still. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's happening here is that they hear some noise from off panel. And they're like, what's that? And they're like, Oh my gosh, look, it's the rest of X factor and cable. We should go over there and help them. No, that's that has, that doesn't happen until like later in the issue. No, it happens you, right you now. Just, you just skipped the entire issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what happened? So I'm not saying it's a terrible thing, but uh, I feel like no, they, they haven't just, moved. They just, they just hear some sirens and they're like, "We got to get out of here" because oh. they got they got the whole apartment thing they need to do. But we do cut to uh, Cable, who says, "It's a good scheme, Summers. Those with quiet powers set the charges and locate the prisoners, while you sound and light men will act as shock troops." Dad. <laughs> so. Isn't there What'd you call me? some uh, story in here that Psylocke gave up, like, their locations and the plan? Because originally, mm-hmm. like, these kids were supposed to reconnoiter with X-Factor, but they decided not to do that because they captured Psylocke or something like that. There is a plot point that you were talking about that had something to do with that. Okay. But I don't, I don't think it actually matters in the no. long run because of what happens in the issue. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that is so somebody mentioned something somewhere. If we pa- if we've already passed it, we're not going to talk about it, but if we if we uh come across it, we'll we'll bring it up. So, Cable is able to pick up the police bands and he's like, "Oh, the Genetian the the Genotians have Wolverine and somebody else." This is a cable that doesn't even look like Rob Liefeld is drawing it. No, somebody else drew this one. <laughs> <laughs> and Beast is like, "Wolverine?" What the devil is he doing here? And he looks angry about it. He hates Wolverine. No, he doesn't. Everybody knows that. Angel hates Wolverine. Cyclops Does dislikes like Wolverine him. at this point? Angel has never liked Wolverine. Mm, I guess you're right. Going way back to like issue 121 or something like that. Yeah. It feels like more of a classic X-Men thing. Yeah. Well, it could be. Anyways, uh, so Cyclops here, he's like, oh, Gene, I don't want you to go there because it's dangerous. There's a whole thing where he's like, somebody sinister is behind this, which is like a thread that continues through X-Factor. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. I don't want to send you anywhere near that Citadel. And yet, and she says, it's the prisoners are, and I'm a telekinetic, so I got to be the driver. And they smooch. 
Take care, babe. You too. Babe. See you later. <laughs> babe, take care, babe. Babe. Hey, babe. <laughs> hey, babe. Take care. See you later. And she takes off, and uh, Iceman's like, you guys look happy. Scott's like, well, maybe it's because our world's been turned upside down, and that's how we express our emotions to one another. Because I just asked her to marry me, and she said no. We could only be happy in chaos, complete and utter chaos. <laughs> and I think she, I think she's in love with Forge, but maybe we'll never talk about that again. I was pretty angry at Forge, I have to admit. <laughs> uh, Cannonball's like, Sykes really awesome, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> For no reason at all, he says that. Uh, and then he transitions to, if his brother is one of the bad guys, then his mind has to somehow be twisted and totally weird. <laughs> totally. Like that. Um, They've done this to him, says Archangel. The Genotians, whoever's behind this mess, they're among the most dangerous foes X-Factor has faced. Has X-Factor ever faced them before? I don't think so. And the position of mutants in the world may well ride on the outcome of the upcoming battle. So, Downer, Archangel. In the Citadel, Cameron Hodges here, back in his little spider vehicle, because um, nobody can seem to agree <laughs> on what and how Cameron Hodge, how he works. So, Liefeld has said, like, I don't care how anybody else has drawn him. <laughs> He's in, like, a spidery robot suit. That's fine. I just think the inconsistency is, is pretty funny, like... You 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 think that like they they have those stupid unibikes like sketched out and like all the the dossiers on those, but nobody decided like, hey, this is how Hodge is going to be consistently through the story, or they did artists doing three different things. And Todd McFarlane's like, I don't like that. I'm going to do this. Todd McFarlane is he in this book? (laughs) I mean, uh, this guy, uh, uh, Rob Liefeld. Oh, this page was the page that I was like, oh, he's phoning it in. Because even though this is one of the better pages, the layouts here are just kind of dull. You got a you got a two shot. You got a, a one shot close up of Archangel. You got a wide shot, uh, an OTS of uh, Alex, if you will, and then a close up of Cameron Hodge. And these all these panels are just really lacking. Alex has no eyes. They're just well. That's that's you know that's a thing that he does. They're just missing. Cameron Hodge has one, like in I think in X Factor he has a he has glasses and one of them one of the lenses is broken, mm-hmm. but in this he just has one lens and no frame. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very strange. The X Factor design is way better than the New Mutants design. There's practically no design in this for Hodge <laughs> at all. Yeah, and so Hodge is mad because uh, Alex and the rest of the magistrates lost uh, those mutants. Uh, they can't be scanned because of something that Forge did. Hodge yeah. don't care. He's like, get me them. Go. I shall be in the Gene engineer's laboratory watching as he initiates young Rain Sinclair into the ranks of the mutates. Oh, glee. <laughs> you may contact me there. He, and he definitely says laboratory. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so these magistrates are like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. Seems a little crazy. And that's what is running our country, says Alex. Yep. Last thing against Bars is confidence. Hey, Summers, you okay? Sure. If you don't count the headache that Psywitch gave me. Now he has a little bit of self-doubt. He's talking about Scott, and he's like, nah, there's no way he's my brother. But 
darn him for letting him get in my head. He actually has less eyes than he had previously. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the eye sockets are just getting emptier and emptier. Yeah. He looks like a freaking zombie. <laughs> so uh, Hodge in the background uh, makes his way into the gene engineer's lab where Rain is about to be uh, added to the gene pool. Probably doing his phasing trick that we learned about last issue. Sure. Why not? And that'll, that'll be important. And so he's like, take her mind away. Wait, don't take her mind away. I want her to be in the deep, dark recesses of her mind, unable to control herself, but aware of what I have done. I'm so evil. And now I have two lenses, by the way, Adam. (laughs) That's good. That's good. And a frame. He got his frame back. So we've got like five panels of like, we get it. Like, you're a bad dude. Um, Gene Engineer here is like, oh man, if we do that, like, she'll be a walking p- powder keg, which is like makes sense. Like, they've got years of like, this is this is how we make a mutate, and this is how we add them to the gene pool. And now, out of left field, you want me to do this new thing that's never been tried before? Yeah, why are we working with this guy? <laughs> yeah, right. We'll never find out. Uh, and obviously, I guess maybe not obviously, because I, I guess I don't remember how this turns out, but I feel like because of this trick, it's either going to be easier to get rain out of this state because spoiler, she gets added to the gene pool and mind uh, wiped, or she becomes like a linchpin to the salvation. And I don't remember which way it goes. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of disappointing that they don't actually like go all in on wiping rain because no. that would be kind of impressive but they don't we we do see that uh she she's thinking to herself already they shaved my head and removed the genetic material which they'll use to create what they call biologic syntheses but which are really not but poor little bald and willless babies who will never know a mother's love nor feel the wind in their hair yeah they don't you just said they were bald (laughs) but um yeah so this is is this new material like they also steal genetic material from their mutates and send them to babies uh or something it's like an evolution of a thought that they've been that they've had like they, they talk about the gene pool right which is just kind of an interesting idea like we're going to take your powers like your genes and we're going to throw it in the gene pool manipulate it a little bit extract what we need to create what we need so uh, they've been hinting at it i think this is the first like outright like we're going to take these genes and put them in a baby I want to know if this ever comes back because this feels like something they could like save in their pockets for like a decade and then just come back and be like, there's all these rain clones around. Uh, that'd be neat. Cause like they have her, they basically stole her genetic material and are creating beings with rain's genetic material. I, does this ever come back? It oughta. I come don't on, know. Marvel. Sure. Do it with the program. You did it with Spider-Man. Let's have a rain clone saga. <laughs> Excuse me. It would be neat if they would have gone through and uh, made a permanent change to rain. And then, like you said, 10, 20 years later, bring it all back. They could do like a slow build where they slowly rehabilitate her back to her normal self. But, uh, yeah, they don't do that. I want it to hurt. I want you to remember in some part of the wasteland that would be your mind that it was I, Cameron Hodge. Your master, who caused you such horror and such pain. Ugh. 
<laughs> we get it. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's evil, so he hates mutants. So Boom Boom and Richter and Jubilee are they've they've escaped. They're sort of on a seedier part of town and they're like, All right, feel like we lost those magistrates now. What we need to do is find an apartment that's empty that might have some food so that we can eat because we're friggin' hungry. But luckily, they have a tracker with them who uh, can not only track mutants, but can also track empty apartments. Yeah. Well, and the thing I wanted to mention about the tracker, because the tracker will be fairly important to this issue, but when they, as you were mentioning before, as they were going up to him and, and saying, like, come with us, like they were talking about like how he was more afraid of the mutants than he was the magistrates, and he's been born to serve, and he's docile, and his mind has been has been manipulated. But for some reason, uh, when Jubilee's like, you got to come with us, he totally does. So he's just been following them around, even though, in theory, he's afraid of them. Well, he also is bred to follow orders. That's so, true. I mean, I guess, I guess, I mean, and he's already calling them like mistress and stuff. So yeah. I don't know, for whatever reason, he's going with them. So he does track. I'm going to say that he tracks the absence of somebody in this apartment. Yeah, I was assuming it's kind of like a reverse tracking. <laughs> right. He doesn't just track mutants. He tracks people, and he's able to track not people. He gets in. They get in. And they're like, oh, sweet. The apartment's empty, and the fridge is full. What more could we ask for? Somebody turn the music on. I want to listen to some MTV because we're trying to keep a low profile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she's about ready to turn the TV on when a magistrate busts through the door and we find out that he's like, oh, what are you doing here? This is my apartment. And they're like, oh, <laughs> it's darn. It's my flat. Yeah. All the vacant apartments in the city, we pick the one that belongs to a cop working the night shift, says Richter. But uh, apparently the TV is on because uh, Boom Boom sees a newscast of Rain saying that she, in her new shaven state, has said she willingly offers to serve Genosha in expiation for the terrorist crimes of the X-Men. I ask that those who remain at large to turn yourselves in the Genosians who are rightfully angry can also be merciful. I feel like it's more like, I ask those who remain yeah. at large to turn yourselves in. The Genosians who are rightfully angry can also be merciful. It's a marine wash, sure. for sure. And Richter loses his mind and starts choking the magistrate, and he's like, where is she? I love her. I'll kill you. And he gives up every advantage that they have of this apartment and uh, begins to head out the door to go save Rain. Yeah, you know, he, he says he loves her. And I guess earlier, before Rain got wiped, she said she loved him, too. It's just too bad they only got one kiss. Yep. But uh, it seems like they're moving pretty fast, these kids. Boom Boom punches Richter in the stomach to stop him. It's kind of overkill. But she's like, calm down. And uh, Jubilee changes her mind and says, well, look, if you want to go, I'm going to go with you. Because like, at this point, they caught Wolverine, and I don't want what happened to Rain to happen to Wolverine. So i got to go rescue him. So I'm all in. And then the, the mutate is also like, count me in, bros. <laughs> I like this drawing of boom boom which one the uh, one where she's punching she's about she's she's pulling back her fist from richter yeah, yeah the second panel on this page she's got like a a nice little like lip curl or, or sneer or whatever you want to call it 
uh, Elvis. Yeah, that gives her like some character, right? Uh, so I don't know. It's it's a good it's a good face. It's a really good face. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. Although now that I've stared at it for a little bit longer, <laughs> her eye looks a little weird. Yeah, as far as faces go, if you put another eye there, it would be really messed up. But because that second eye is hidden by that swath of Skid's hair, mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it looks okay. But yeah. yeah, the eye is way too far from her, her nose and mouth. The nose and mouth are like decent. The eye itself is decent. It just needs to be squished together. Yeah, so if you're following along, like don't don't pay too much attention to the drawing. To the man behind the curtain? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or you'd be like, no, that's actually not that good of a drawing. Anyways, yeah, so they, they're going to head off. Um, meanwhile, Gene is telekinetically lifting a uh, cable and a gambit and forge? Forge, I think. Yeah. On Sunspot. Into the Citadel. And uh, Gambit gets a line. Sunspot, out of the way, kid. Guard coming onto the balcony. And Sunspot, I think rightly, is like, well, hang on a second. I think is what he was going for. But uh, Gambit's, he, let's see, in midair, I didn't get this. This was kind of confusing. In midair, the bomb casing that Gambit hurls transforms to release its stored up energy with a flash of silent impact. Where's this bomb casing from? It's the thing that looks like a card. Mm. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know why it looks like a card. I guess because... Rob Liefeld was like, I want to draw a cool Jim Lee pose of Gambit throwing a card. Yeah. So he did. And then Louis Simon was like, well, you can't really tell it's exactly a card. So I'm just going to make it a bomb casing for no apparent reason. Well, I think they... They're running around the city planning bombs. Yeah. So it's not, uh, I in... guess it makes sense that he would be holding a bomb casing. But it really is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so they make their way into the Citadel, uh, maybe into the... Yeah, and and that's all that really happens, I guess. Yeah, they. It looks like they drop a guard down to the. They kill somebody. I don't know if he. No, he doesn't die. He's just falling. Arg! And that made a lot of noise. So Cable's like, ah, swell, bloody swell. Oh, he dies, as we'll find well, out. Well, he's not dead yet, Adam. <laughs> so we cut. We cut back to the sewers where we are. Are Richter and Jubilee, and Boom Boom, and presumably mutate are traveling and then they emerge to the city and the uh, aforementioned falling guard hits the ground with a splat. And, uh, Boom says, gross. Even a magistrate shouldn't end up like that. Where'd he come from? Yeah. I like that. I like the, the continuity of, of bringing those two scenes together. It, it's pretty cool, except for the fact that this issue is so poorly, designed that i didn't even realize it at first oh me neither it it's it could have been served much better if they had i don't know put some thought into this richter's 12 years old on this panel for some reason (laughs) yep you either need this to be like on the same page or you need like the last like you need to be cutting back and forth between these two stories them and the stewards them above oh the magistrate them in the sewers throwing the casing them in the sewers, oh my gosh, you made a lot of noise, and that magistrate's falling, and then splat right in front of the kids. And then everything's connected, and you're like, whoa, all right, that's cool. But this is like uh, half a page away, 
the magistrate falling after like the bomb it casing. Was half a page away. No, no, no. But listen, the, after like Gambit throws the bomb casing and the magistrate falls, it almost feels like a throwaway panel of like, oh, okay, well, I should probably draw a little figure exactly. over there. It's just too small. Exactly. Yeah. The 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 details are lacking. Like Gambit throws Gambit throws a thing. It hits a guy in tiny in a tiny panel. You see the guy falling in a tiny panel. You need more details. You need this guy to be a close up falling. Yeah. Uh, you need to see more detail on the guy when he hits the ground, so that you recognize that it's the same guy. This could have been done. And then it's not even like Rob Liefeld's using the full amount of space that he has allotted. This, these are like choices that he is making. So the action that we need to be focused on for this to work is not being focused on. It's kind of throwaway. It's too bad. Yeah. I don't know. And there's there's like some motion lines on this magistrate, which makes it look like he's kind of thrown towards Boom Boom. But then when he lands, he's got like finger guns out for some reason. And there's a lot of <laughs> <Up> like... <there. laughs> pew, pew. Oh, I'm dead. Anyways. That's the guy who killed me over there. <laughs> Richter says, up there, that voice, it's Cable. And they're like, all right. And this is what I was trying to get to before. They're like, let's go. Yeah, this is this is way way back 30 minutes ago when Jeremy was skipping the entire issue. I mean, he, he wanted have, to get to this part because this was his favorite part. You wouldn't have missed much. That's true. I mean, what did you miss by <laughs> listening to all that? Really, we should go back and give you, if you want to skip ahead, skip up to this time code. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Jubilee wants to rush out and help, but Boom Which makes Boom sense. and Richter are holding her back. And then there's this weird reference to how uh, Jubilee says, you guys have been blaming Storm for not joining, for not letting us join the fight or not letting Cable join the fight, I guess, earlier. And now you're doing the same thing to me. And then... Boom Boom and Richter are like, yeah, but I I guess we're, we were wrong and Storm was right. And we really should just stay and watch just in case they lose. This makes no sense. It's like you don't see your buddies literally five feet away fighting magistrates and you don't go in there and, and just watch. It's like, how do they know they're going to lose? Right. It doesn't make any sense. They're right. They lose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the so it turns out that Richter and Boom Boom are actually right. Uh, but but uh, we, we get a nice little fight scene between everybody. Uh, and then uh, Cameron Hodge and Wipeout show up. and Which is just random. <laughs> Which I guess, you know, I, it's like uh, right before this happens, Richter and Boom Boom predict, they've got a, mut- they've got a mutant that can uh, remove our powers. And then the mutant that removes their powers shows up and removes their powers. So I feel like they kind of predicted this and... Uh, it's their fault. It's foreshadowing, Adam. It's a one page of foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it sort of ruins, like, I, I really like the idea that I came up with, and I'm, I'm sure they were not thinking of, uh, that Cameron Hodge is a head, right, connected to, like, all these electronics to keep his head mobile, alive, or whatever, but he's pinned or limited to, like, the ceiling of the Citadel and he can go kind of wherever he wants to in the Citadel. But now he's just like in town <laughs> with white. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Just like a minute out. ago, he was uh, not in town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, we, we what were, was the timing on this? We were just out for a little stroll. We wanted to go down <laughs> to the food cart and pick up some wontons, and look, we found the mutants. Wipe out, take their powers. No. Did we even get a scene where the, uh, Alex was like, we're attacking the mutants now, and Cameron Hodge was like, oh, let's go check that out. No, they're just, here we are. So Wipeout takes his powers, and, and Richter's like, see, Jubilee? Now who's the stupid one? <laughs> Cameron Hodge is like, I hear mutants. There's mutants everywhere. Go get those mutants. What is that whisper of voices like an air breeze? <laughs> yeah. And so the tracker comes out and the magistrate's like, oh, it's a mutate. And he's like, uh, yes, boss, it, it me. I talk to self. Only boss congratulates self. See enemy attack. And I give great shout and raise alarm that leads you here. I save all of Citadel. Which is cool. And this confused me because Boom Boom then says, wow, the mutate knew we were here. He looked right at us and lied through his teeth. And if you don't read any more, you're like, well, did did the mutate just sell out Boom Boom and Richter? So it makes it sound like it's a different mutate, yeah. which was a little confusing. But yeah, the, but the, the, next the idea panel... is that the mutate does not sell out right. Richter and Boom Boom and in fact lies for them. Right. And then... Jubilee goes on to say, and they'll believe him because everybody knows a mutate can't lie, but he's lying, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, yes, the mutate is redeemed, I guess. Yeah, he, did, he does his thing. Yeah. Even after thing, like, there was, there was a moment that we skipped over where the mutate was like, Jubilee is right. I will betray you because oh, yes. once I get closer to the Citadel, I'm losing my ability to think for myself. Sort of. And that's when Richter says, look, another mutate's coming for... Good Lord, it can't be! And it turns out that it is hairless, uh, brainwashed Wolf Spain. Ah, no, Mutate 490. Step more into the light so that your would-be saviors, those despicable mutant terrorists, can see you! Yep, it's Rain. Mutate 490. Not a great drawing of Rain. Good face, terrible body. Arms going down to her knees. Ye will soon be tried and condemned and will serve Genosha loyally as mutates in expiration for your crimes as I myself now serve. What's with the random shot of Cable with his eyes closed? <laughs> Rob Liefeld just wanted to button it up with a picture of Cable. <laughs> Everyone's upset. Louis Simonson was like, I don't know what to do with this. I got no I'm dialogue just... for this. Just going to leave it there. Uh, Richter's like, I'm going to get my powers back and shake this island to the ground. Uh, you know what I just noticed? Hmm. Forge is totally awake on this page. He, he is. and that Which, uh, We'll talk about that next issue. Because there's no real handoffs between issues. From Louise Simonson to Louise Simonson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does take us to X-Factor number 60 and 61 61 and this is this is the worst cover ever it is it is a really terrible cover actually the bottom half is not like if it was just the bottom half maybe even zoomed in i wouldn't say it's the worst cover ever oh but the top half is is so bad that it just it's it's amazing that this and what's weird about it we'll, we'll talk about it when we get into it 100% agree that this cover should be nothing but 
uh, Jean and Wolverine in the same colors, same drawing, just blown up. Maybe maybe you yeah. lose some of Wolverine's legs in that blow up, but that should be the entire cover. And then you're like, oh, wow, what's happening here? But this, like on the top half, you've got a oddly, oddly posed cable ripping away at Cameron Hodge's uh, wires. It looks like Mad Magazine drawing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, very, it's weirdly cartoony, but like in a very car- caricature sort of way. I don't know. When you say Mad Magazine, are you are you thinking of like Fred Hembeck style? Like, yeah, I guess so. Drawing? I mean, not, not, not Sergio Argones, but no, yeah. yeah, more of a like a less like Sergio Argones is way more nuanced than this. It's just, it's just, is there even a, there's a name on here. This was, uh, this is, Bog- this is John, John Bogdanova who does the, yeah. in, the interior art and is hit or miss, but mostly not this bad. Yeah. Except for, uh, when he is, <laughs> this is a cover that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's so bad. It's good. Such that if it, if there was a T-shirt, I would buy it because people I would, would absolutely be like, buy it as a T-shirt. Like, what is this? And I'm like, I, your guess is as good as mine. And then it's got like all the classic tropes of a terrible cover, right? Like you've got two different scenes, and then you've got like the callouts. It's all out war as Cable trademark battles Hodge trademark while Wolverine registered lies dying. You must read Assault on the Citadel. And I want all of that on the T-shirt. Oh, oh, absolutely! But you can get rid of the Marvel corner bubble and maybe the title and no. Extinction Agenda Part Six. Yeah, you keep I all that. There. Everything, like, all of that, like busy, oh, you want the whole cover, messy. Like, what is even happening here? There's so much happening. Yeah, because somebody at some point maybe they either looked at this cover and they're like, "Oof, we're gonna have to put some callouts on here," or they're like, "This is the issue." We've really got to let people know that I'm not sure what happened, but it feels like somebody ran out of time. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can almost argue that like the top half is a different artist than the the bottom half. I mean, it's probably Bogdanova, but I don't know if they're inked differently. But it's like two different drugs. So maybe here's what I'm going to guess. It I could think be because if if you look at the signature, it says. Bog slash cap slash mill. Yeah. Now, and you look in the interior, uh, to, to, uh, who, who does what? John Bogdano mm. does the pencils. John Caponegro does the assisted pencils. Mm-hmm. And Alan Milgram does the ink. So it is quite possible that the top half is cap, yeah. the bottom half is bog, and then Milgram inked both. So here's my guess. I'm going to guess that John Bogdanova drew just the bottom and wanted the rest of it to be like stark black or maybe have like the opposite because they're silhouetted in like a jail cell. So maybe like where Cable and Hodge are right now is just like some jail bars in like mm-hmm. the opposite colors. Like the bars are red and the background's black or something like that. Like truly like dark, like bare, minimalistic and stark. And somebody uh, who's our editor-in-chief... Uh, Tom DeFalco uh, is like, no, 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 you got to throw some action on top. And that's where they brought Cap in. And he's like, okay, I got this idea for, <laughs> I'm going to draw it inside the book too, but it's going to look even <laughs> yeah. cooler on the outside of Cable attacking Hodge. 
So I, I was going to mention that when we got to it, but yeah, this is this image reappears inside the book. Yeah, and what you need to know is that Cable's organic arm is pulling away at the at the at the wires, but his bionic arm is looks like it's bound by his side, but is oddly like hanging at his side. Which we'll learn there's yeah. a reason for yeah. that later. But um, but it's not even I think, that. I, th- I think you're absolutely right, though. I think the the bottom half was initially meant to be the cover, and it probably filled up more of the space. And yeah. then Tom DeFelgo or somebody came in and said, "We need more going on in this cover. There's not enough." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. And they just said, uh, "What about this panel that uh, Cap already drew? We'll throw that on the top. Let's take it out of the book. Throw it on the cover." And then Bob Harris was like, yeah, it's pretty good, but why don't you throw like some of those call-outs on there that are all the rage these days? Weird choices, weird choices. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is, yeah, if we were to start a contest of like the worst covers. Oh, this is in the top five. Absolutely. This this is definitely the worst cover, I think, of any of the X comics that we've read. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I cannot disagree with that. I mean, I can't. I can't really think of anything worse. Uh, it doesn't mean there isn't anything, but yeah, this feels like it is definitely a contender for <laughs> the top five, if not the number one that that we've done so far. And if you line up like, and I think I did this, you know, as a kid because we'd hang our comics on the wall. Mm-hmm. This was like the outlier of like, okay, Wolverine, <laughs> okay, Cable, you know, okay, you know, Havoc, and then this weird cover. Oh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, moving on, because the next cover is going to be a Jim Lee cover, so eh, let's cover it all up. Yeah. So we open up this one, and we get a... Uh, this, is, this is awesome. Uh, so it's another sort of like, this is what's happening, and who's captured, and who's still out there, but it's done on like one of those dot matrix printer rollouts. Which is weird. It's like, who's making these choices? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's It's weird because it's unnecessary. Like, you can just do this and not have like the weird printer paper but if you're going to do the weird printer paper then you have to make this like all like it's got to be like dot matrix it's got to be like dot matrix green and 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 white right it's got to be like monochrome there were not printers capable of this kind of quality at this time instead it's like full color dynamic laser with the track on the side (laughs) the the track is the weirdest thing because it's like uh no it's just what for and okay beyond the pack the, this doesn't this technology does not exist we a lot of these technologies don't exist this serves no purpose whatsoever to put this on this 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 computer printout shows a group of mutants sports of nature born with an ex it's like wh- why yeah this could easily be like and in recent news and this montage could just be tv news that would be one way to go it could just be like you know, for the audience, like get rid of the dot matrix, get rid of that bubble and just make it like, this is what the current state of the book is like, welcome to part six. But instead they decided to go with this odd printout choice, but then not even commit to the printout bit. And I think it would have been neat to actually have like the, the sort of dot matrixy computer printout of this image and, and like the text above it, uh, would have, I don't know if I want to say timeless, but I, I think it would have been a really cool effect. This score sheet tallying the results of the latest battles between the Genotians, which it doesn't actually do, 
and the mutant invaders trembles in the tentacle of the monstrous Cameron Hodge, ally of the sovereign state of Genosha, and arch enemy to the mutants. For the results are impressive, and we, we turn the page and we do see that Cameron Hodge is in fact reading a printout, which now has the credits for the issue. Uh, so that's kind of clever, but still, this is so pointless. <laughs> It wouldn't have been pointless, though, if they would have done like a monochrome dot matrix uh, uh, drawing or whatever they would have it done. Would have, to it would have still effect. been pointless, but at least it would have been clever. Right, right. Um, and this is where we get a, a, a drastic transition of Cameron Hodge. Now he's like like uh, drooling and he's kind of got like zombie teeth where his lips are like curled above his gums. I like this design a lot, um, but it's way different than the New Mutants design. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that the uh, wipeout is here, and in the last issue of New Mutants, like he was like like wild eyed and crazy looking, and it almost looked like he had like a skin tight superhero suit, and now he's like kind of quivering on the floor and has like a suit on. He's just a guy. Yeah, and uh, and this Cameron Hodge is like uh, everybody's powers are gone. But Forge is knocked out. What did you do, Wipeout? Why is this? Nothing, Commander. I'm blameless. I swear I did no more than to Forge than to these others. I think there's a throwaway line later that makes no sense that explains why Cameron Hodge is, or not Cameron Hodge, but Forge is unconscious no. now. Yeah, there is. But and it 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 makes sense. It's just they don't. It's not really an explanation. It's just kind of a an explanation without. An explanation. Right. But yeah, Forge is unconscious. He wasn't unconscious in the last issue, but they decided maybe maybe he was like about to fall unconscious. Whatever it was that caused him unconscious just kicked in. And uh, Cameron Hodge wants Forge for his cybernetics knowledge. So Cameron Hodge got plan B because Warlock didn't pan out, which makes sense. Right, which, which I thought the cybernetics knowledge, and maybe you can help me with this, I thought his cybernetics had... Was the totally based on the mutant power? Yeah, yeah, like he yeah, can, yeah. He can craft anything. That's a good does, point. If he doesn't have his mutant power, can he craft anything? I don't know, but I think it's been established that Wipeout can give and take powers. So maybe the point was like, let's wipe out all their powers, put Forge over there, give him his powers back. So they need, they're going to make him a mutate. Okay. Or maybe they want. Yeah, I, guess I don't so. know. Maybe to put put his powers in the gene pool. But like separate for Cameron Hodge. I don't know. All right. That's fair. So Hodge takes off or not. He doesn't take off. He's got Forge in his arms, uh, tells Wipeout to get out of his face. Out of my sight, you quivering turnip. The minds of your other victims have betrayed the placement of the bombs they set. First things first, eh? We shall go after the rest of Act Factor and leave the Forge conundrum for later. He knocks out Jim. Marvel Girl asks, why did you do this? Hodge, because she recognizes it's Hodge. Yep, they're they're good buddy. We we used to be friends. We were never friends. Never a friend, fool. The mutants of those whose destiny is to usurp humanity, unless humanity finds a way. So he says, "I would never be a friend of mutants of those whose destiny is to usurp usurp humanity, unless humanity finds the means to stop them." Which I guess the implication is then we could totally be friends. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of kind of weird. 
I have always been your oldest and most obsessive enemy, and I will destroy you as Archangels destroyed me. And then he thinks to himself, and with Genosha as my base, I will obliterate mutant kind from this earth. So eh, we're not really still getting anywhere with why is Hodge here, but... Yeah, and we'll get even deeper into this rabbit hole of not understanding any of this later. Uh, although I, I would like to point out that um, there are there's a lot of snot coming out of Hodge's nose. Oh, yeah. Alex is here, and he's like, oh, man, how could Hodge speak to me like this? Everybody keeps belittling me, and I'm not Cyclops' brother. Well, he says, how can I have spoken to oh, uh, right, right, Hodge? Right. So it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is he? He says, careful, Commander. The gene engineer said they were not to be damaged. So it's a little bit of back talk of like. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he says it in a sassy way. <laughs> <laughs> careful, Commander. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they, uh, Hodge throws Forge at Havoc, and this is where he belittles him. Is like, you can carry this trash to his cell. And so as they're walking down the hallways, we get we get a little bit more exposition about Alex and his position here. Because mm. one of the other magistrates like, ooh, you've been demoted down to garbage collector. And, and he thinks to himself, now he'll cast doubt on me because I was born a mutant, even though I've chosen to serve. Because uh, he, he thinks to himself that Hodge has already cast uh, doubt on the loyalty of the engineer. And now he's doing it on me uh, because I volunteered uh, not as a mutate. But as a free mutant like the press gang, though in reality we free mutants are few and mostly set apart, second-class citizens in a society that pretends to offer us equality. So we're getting a little bit more uh, background about why there are press gang mutants that aren't like the mutates. It's just basically setting up rules. So it's, it's kind of very loose. Um, none of it makes any sense. Why would you have a press gang when you have mutants and mutates? Alex says, I've had to work three times as hard, be three times as good at my job, and three times as loyal to Genosha as any magistrate on my level. And I won't let any mutant trickery make a fool or spoil my success. Which gets me back to my original question of, how long ago did Alex appear here? I I, I don't know that we'll ever know. <laughs> I, I sort of like the idea that, you know, maybe the Siege Perilous had like a time-traveling mechanic to it and like lit or or a reality altering component to it because hodge and the gene engineer and others being like oh alex is here that's weird let's take advantage of this situation is different than like every magistrate being like oh alex you've been around for a long time well we don't know when cameron hodge showed up in genosha but my point is is that somebody would have to be like that dude showed up like three weeks ago. Like, why do we put so much trust in him? Right. And we don't we don't ever get that. Siege Perilous dumps uh, Alex into Press King headquarters. And uh, they're like, hey, this guy's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like totally on board with all of their stuff. Um, maybe maybe the uh, Siege Perilous gave him like citizenship. So they think he's a Genosian citizen. And he's like, sign me up. And then three weeks later... Uh, Cameron Hodge shows up and is like, wait a minute, that's Alex Summers. What's going on here? I know his brother. Yeah, maybe. I'm going to use him. Well, meanwhile, as the these X-Men are being uh, walked to their cells, Rain walks by and Jean recognizes her and Cable, who's doing his best impression of a motorcycle gang member, also <laughs> recognizes her. 
what have they done to her that I didn't notice in the last issue when I also saw her? <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, Cable's super uh, uh, into his students. He's like, oh, everything looks bad right now, but don't worry, I'll get you out of here. We're going to be fine. She's not listening. She acts like a zombie. Cable, as if she were dead inside. And uh, Cable gets hit in the head by a ridiculously large gun butt. It's huge. Or, or, like... Like it makes it's 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 a bad drawing. It's basically, a it's a regular gun. sized gun that got hit by a uh, reverse shrink ray, a grow ray. Yeah, cables on the ground, but he's able to uh, break the chains of his manacles, and he leaps towards um, Cameron Hodge, and he thinks to himself, "Wipeout's powers block or power block somehow makes my bionic arm useless." So yeah. it's okay. I got this other arm. But this makes no sense because in the previous panel, we see him pull apart his uh, chains that are binding him behind his back. So he has to have strength in both of his arms to do this unless the guard that kicks him somehow did this. But like, because otherwise, if, you're, if your arm was dead, like he says it is, and he's unable to control it, he would yank with one arm and the, the, the dead arm would just follow it. All right, I, I agree. Uh, he would have to get a lot of leverage uh, against that other arm, but now I'm I'm kind of mystified here. Are the is this panel the same as the cover? It's absolutely the same as the cover. Is it the exact same image? It's the exact same image recolored. I, I have to do Marvel Unlimited and my. <laughs> trade paperback because I, I think you're right I, at first i was like oh it must just be like a draft like one of these is a draft and one of these is the actual image i think it's been inked differently as well uh, so i think it's it's the same drawing with different inks and different colors i think you're i think the cable picture is the same but better inks more detail hodge is different like is he the hodge in the panel is missing hair whereas the hodge on the cover has hair the hodge in the panel he's got like his mouth open where he's like oh my god but in the cover he's kind of like gritting his teeth like give me your best shot okay and he's got like a little bit of squaring off of his jaw in the panel so they swapped out the head uh, no, the whole like all of the wires are all different too. Well, they're they're inked differently. No, they're drawn differently. Oh, okay. Like, do you see? Well, on the cover, there's like a, a tube that goes from the top of his head and arcs upward into his chassis, and that tube doesn't exist at all in in the book. I'm opening it up. And then no, there's a bunch of tubes that go off of his head in the panel off screen and on, on the cover that that sort of bundle of tubes doesn't exist so the hodge drawing is different okay but there's there are there are some wires in the hodge drawing that are the same as in the panel i don't think so look at that um, lower right hand corner there's there's like uh three tubes i see that and that that's similar Everything else maybe, seems... that, maybe that's the only part that they kept for some reason. <laughs> that would be weird. Like, just this one tube. I mean, there's also, like, 
to to the left of that there's like a um like a distributor cap from a car looking thing um (laughs) that looks like it might be in both drawings just differently inked but like these tubes are are wildly different or or maybe for the cover they they just kind of redid a bunch of these tubes like erased some added some it also looks like the chain that is on uh, Cable's limp hand has been extended on the cover. Yeah. And it's only got one link on this image. But yeah, the Cable picture is, it's identical. It's yeah, just inked it's, differently. Yeah. That is bizarre. Why would you do I'm, that? I'm, I'm telling you, they, they ran out of time and they were like, let's just use this panel. We'll put that in the upper half. We'll shrink down this Wolverine image. And we'll throw in this cable thing, and maybe we should redo some of the Cameron Hodge. Yeah. And the 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 cable. If you do look at the cables that are um, binding uh, cable back, I guess pulling him off of Cameron Hodge, those cables that are attached to cables back are a little bit different on the cover than they mm-hmm. are on the panel. But that that could just be inking. Or somebody like rushed in some pencils to like yeah, fill out some so. of the some of the tubes. That's wild. It's uh, it's a random thing that I've never seen in comics before. But <laughs> let's recycle a panel for the cover. Like we've definitely seen like oh, well, not this only is... recycle a panel. Let's recycle the worst panel in the comic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've definitely seen covers that are like okay, this image exists in the book, but it's different. Like it's less right. detailed in the book. It's clearly a different drawing. But this is the first time where like a drawing. I feel like first time a drawing has been lifted from the book and just slapped onto the cover. I think you're right. Anyways. So uh, Cameron Hodge grabs the cable and, and flings him against the wall. And uh, Cameron, or sorry, uh, Cable's uh, second mutation appears where he, he inflates like a balloon as he's pinned to the to the wall with a bunch of spikes. It's a bad drawing. I had hoped to make a contribution to enrich the lives of my students. But how can I call myself their mentor if they can be brutalized like that while under my protection? Yeah, you see how foolish, uh, how foolish was your effort against me? And he's still thinking to himself. Well, boom, boom, Rick are free. Escaped with the skills I taught him. I have made a difference in their lives, their safety, and maybe free. They will find a way to make a difference in Genosha. And it seems like he's got sort of a knowing smile, maybe in the shadows. Cable signing off. It almost looks like he's got a mustache, though, doesn't it? He looks sad to me. He's like defeated. Hmm. In that last panel, yeah, I feel like his mouth could go any number of directions because <laughs> there's just lines. And like I said, it looks like he's got like an old man mustache. Yeah, you're right. That's awesome. <laughs> and it looks like he's smiling underneath that old man mustache of like, well, Rick and Boom Boom, they're my ace in the hole. It's like he turned into Corsair. Oh, see, so we're seeing like uh, the lineage. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Normally, I keep my mustache mirage on, but now I just can't maintain that power. Uh, Maybe he's one of the in- invincible people. The invincible people? Oh, yes, where he has to have a mustache. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the Hammer Bay Trading Company, uh, Banshee, whose hair has grown out crazily. He's got a mullet. <laughs> it's crazy long. Cannonball, Angel, Iceman, and Beast are all changing into um, mutate costumes 
Cyclops apparently just happened. Shield had designed for them somehow. Yeah, apparently Cyclops just happened to have some extra mutate goggles with him. Because why not? Yeah. I mean, at some point before they left for Genosha, Beast contacted Shield, and that's what it was in all the crates they were carrying was all these skin tight costumes with Cyclops goggles and whatever. So I don't know. They went to the government. The government hooked them up with Shield. Uh, Forge designed all this stuff. Sure. So we're learning the mystery of what was in the boxes. Yeah. What's in the box? Go with it. <laughs> so great. Great. They talk about Alex and how if they bump into Alex, they're going to have to do something about him. And Cyclops is very non-definitive about that. Yep. I'll do what remains to be seen. <laughs> Beast looks like he's got a mustache here too, kind of. Although it's it's like a pencil thin. It's, it's really the line of his upper lip, but it's thick enough that it makes feels like it could be a mustache. It's not a good beast drawing. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna go infiltrate the citadel. Have fun storming the citadel. Well, you're below. We'll, we're to provide a crisis up above, and if we're lucky, we nab ourselves a hostage. Says Banshee with a mullet and cannibal. Mm-hmm. It's it's really bad uh, drawing of Banshee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody decided this is the issue where I'm going to redesign Banshee as I've always wanted. He needs a mullet. Yep. A sick mullet. That is a um, sick. Adam, it kind of reminds me of the mullet you had. Or maybe I had. I was about to say that it kind of reminds me of the mullet you had. Yeah, you you actually you had much straighter hair than I. I had. The, I had poofy curly hair so you're yeah right. you had the curvy mullet yeah that, that's a that's a me mullet from high school it's it's sick sick mullet bro why did we think that <laughs> having mullets was cool i don't know it was a thing the thing we did yeah. cyclops is weirdly 007 which you think why would you do that yeah setting attention to yourself as a mutate yeah it seems too obvious like 007 wait a minute yeah. So they, uh, meanwhile, at the Citadel, Alex has Forge, uh, some magistrates have Gene. It gets creepy for a minute, but then it turns different, where they're like, what about the babe? Cell's been designed specifically just for her. Have fun, sweet. And you're like, oh, what is going to happen here? What does he mean by that? Yeah. What did she I have in store for myself? And it turns out that they just threw her in a cell with Wolverine, and he's like, he's not even feral Wolverine. He's just like, hey, Red. Uh, What's going on? I'm hurting. My uh, my healing factor doesn't work anymore, so I'm kind of bleeding out. Yeah. Kind of sucks. Good to see you, though. Uh, I look a little like Noel Fielding in this panel. <laughs> and uh, Hodge shows up, and he's like, ooh, this will be a treat. Uh, which is weird but okay really weird you're gonna have to share accommodations but already our holding cells are filled to capacity and with your help i'll be acquiring new captives almost immediately (laughs) and even wolverine says which i have to imagine sounds like what was that about (laughs) uh do you know him (laughs) is he with you why is he being such a creep (laughs) i don't don't like that guy and so, you know, they're like, hey, it's, man, it's been a while. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you. I had a crush on you. You had a crush on me. You're in pain. I'm scared. Let's kiss. 
she kisses i feel like she kisses him in like on the nose i guess at first mm-hmm. um which considering that he's covered in blood makes me feel like she's eating or like drinking his blood <laughs> Well, and she kind of kisses him on like a non-bloody portion. I'm sure of it's his supposed nose. to be a very tender moment, but it's yeah, <laughs> it's weird. And then you know, oh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. And then they they passionately kiss and kiss and kiss for four panels and kiss until Jean kind of sheds a tear. And you're like, what, are they going to like do it in this cell? Because that that's weird. Well, we'll get to that. I know. Uh, so she pulls away and she says, you haven't lost your touch. You're still the best at what you do. And then she thinks to herself, that close. Don't have to be much of a mind reader to know he's dying and to know he knows it. Man, he stinks. <laughs> and he's covered in blood. And I was just making out <laughs> with this bloody face. What's wrong with me, Gene? <laughs> <laughs> I probably have pink eye now. Uh, in the first panel where she is kissing Wolverine, what's going on with her butt? There is a, a real attempt to, to, to make like a lot of like like butt sexiness. Uh, so her butt, I guess, is supposed to be tilted at a kind of sexy angle. I don't But it just looks like a big lump. I, that sort of throws me off. And like the artist uh, Bogdanova like goes out of his way to like, press her boobs up against Cyclops or I mean a uh, uh, Wolverine. I don't yeah. know. I'm just, and then even in the next panel where she pulls away and she's like kind of hugging herself for like her boobs are just like heaving out. Like there's no reason for this. Like you don't have to yeah. draw her like this. The Wolverine is really nice. The, 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 the gene is just trying, they try to make it a little too sexy. Just make it natural. And we have a nice tender moment. Yeah, absolutely. But, like you, you can erase like ninety percent of that butt, and you don't lose yeah. you don't lose any of like the impact of like what's what's happening here. Yeah, and and it probably even looks a little bit more natural. <laughs> well, because of the, because of the way that they draw the butt, it means that she is basically twisting her waist around, and right. what is possibly can't be comfortable. So my note that nobody will ever take because this has already been published would be to erase that <laughs> second butt hump. Yeah, and then you're no, done. That's it. That's perfect. all you have to do. And then everything else, you got the curvature and everything else. Everything just flows. Uh, but yeah, she's she's got like she's got like hip cancer or something. It's, it's <laughs> yes, really distracting. It's it's, it's problematic. <laughs> uh, we we cut to a video screen where the gene engineer and Hodge are watching this happen, it's and the gene engineer's like, "Why'd you do that?" and uh, Basically, Hodge says what you said was like, I was really hoping they would have sex so it would ruin Cyclops' relationship with Gene. <laughs> That's the implication. So it, we'll, we'll have to put a pin in this and see if this goes anywhere. But I guess it, so he, he does go on. He's like, I've read the files that Charles Xavier had on them. And Wolverine has always been fascinated with Gene. And she's got some attractions with him, too. But. Now and then he goes on to be like, but Gene and Cyclops are now romantically involved. I don't know how he would know that. So you know, s- setting up this bait because were she to betray Cyclops right. out of love for Wolverine or even out of pity, 
that will destroy Psychops more effectively than any weapon I could ever devise. That is some chess playing there. Uh, (laughs) That's thinking, you know, 10, 15 moves ahead, I guess. Well, I mean, like, what's, like, what unlikely scenario are Jean Grey and Wolverine going to do it in their cell as Wolverine is dying and they're captured by Genosha? They're really... I mean, are they going to, like, be pumping some pheromones in there, a la uh, Cabin Fever or whatever that movie was? Yeah. I don't know that they necessarily have to do it, but I think if the Gene Engineer could capture footage or... Well, they just missed their opportunity. Right, or get them onto the battlefield with Gene, like, oh, careful, Wolverine, like, don't hurt yourself. I care for you too deeply. And then Cyclops could be privy to any of that... uh, you know, that footage or, or that conversation, um, you know, then it might shake his resolve and shake his confidence. But I, I will have to keep a pin on this. I don't know if this pays off or if this is just like a weird aside. It feels like they're they're hinting at sex, but maybe they're not. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just the vibe that I get is because, like, how else would she betray Cyclops? Well, I don't know. Like, if you're romantically involved with somebody and... I guess. And then yeah. you're making out with somebody else. But like, where is the opportunity to like... Somehow you have to, Cyclops has to know that, right? And he either has to yeah. know that because she's like with him on the battlefield or Cameron Hodge takes video and is like, look at this Cyclops while you were trying to save your lady friend. So weirdly enough, because we were just talking about Lost, this sort of scenario kind of happens in Lost and... uh it's it's kind of the same thing where they put two people together in order to betray the trust of somebody, and uh, and and it. I wonder if they stole that from this. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. It was it was it was one of the weaker seasons in Lost, so I'm gonna say it's one of the weaker moments in this. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so the magistrates are gearing up to uh, take out the Hammer Bay supply company or whatever it was the mutants uh, hideout because they know based on what they've scanned from gene that this is where they are and yeah. they all attack with their little robot suits and whatnot but there's no mutants there uh, and then it blows up and then the guy says captain the world is empty abandoned the mutants are long gone but explosion it's like uh havoc is presumably outside because otherwise he'd be dead yeah um, and then we cut to the president's uh, office. Is this the president, the prime minister, or the chancellor? Well, the, it's it's the president's office. Oh, okay. It says, From its huge windows, the president, the gene engineer, and Cameron Hodge have gathered oh. to view the assault on the warehouse across the harbor. I feel like this this woman who looks like Ronald Reagan. I thought she was a prime minister, I too. I thought she was established to be the prime minister, but evidently she got a promotion. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, politics is hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and notice the very large statues of uh, presumably mutates holding up Genosha. Oh, yeah. Because that I didn't notice those before, but those those return. Nice touch. And we this this whole thing uh, further cements the idea that there's no reason that Genosha should be working with Cameron Hodge. They get nothing out of this deal. Um, I don't know, unless he's like some sort of master negotiator and he can convince them that like 
with my uh, skills at negotiating, I'll totally be able to get Genosha into the, a good light in the the world populace. No, they don't actually say that, though. There's none of that here. The time to dissolve the alliances after our mutual goal has been accomplished. World opinion, of course, is against turning against Genosha. There are rumors of blockades. Uh, so what is the the mutual... So the mutual goal must be like, we got to kill the X-Men because they wronged yeah. Genosha and right. X-Factor wronged Hodge. But Hodge wants to take it a little bit further and kill all mutants. But at this point, I don't see what Hodge brings to the table, which is the problem. Uh, his diabolical ability to have evil schemes? That nobody trusts. That <laughs> <laughs> literally everybody is like, no, I don't like that idea. Uh, Storm is here. Yeah. And she's got a completely blank look on her face, which I guess because she's a mutate. Ah, uh, the warehouse has exploded. Even now your magistrates assault uh, the mutants in their lair. The gene engineer says, a storm is brewing. At least that should prevent the spread of flames. We as the audience, of course, know subconsciously that storm's doing. Yeah, because remember, the gene engineer made slight modifications to storm, just as he made slight modifications to rain. Mm. We don't know what the modifications Storm are, though, but apparently it had something to do with uh, some sort of inner free will, maybe. I don't know. So a magistrate shows up and he's like, oh, my. It's, it's, it's Havoc, and oh, it doesn't it? look like Havoc, nope. but it's totally Havoc. Because he's got brown hair in this first panel, <laughs> and then he has blonde hair in the next panel. There was an explosion. It decimated our squad. So the mutants are being captured, are they? Come at- oh, no, wait, that's the gene engineer. So the mutants are being captured all day, Commander Hodge. Says the president, who's a woman, I guess. Oh, it's a woman. So the mutants are being captured yeah, no, all the, day, Commander the, Hodge. The first voice is fine. I, I can read it again. I could do a few more takes. I want to read into the record the definition of decimate. Okay. Kill one in every ten, a group of soldiers or others, as punishment for the whole group. Oh, that's interesting. We tend to use it, though, as its primary definition. Kill, destroy, or remove a large percentage or part of. But I like to think of decimating as dividing a force by 10. Okay. So Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's got the DEC. So when Havoc says, they decimated us, like he was out there counting, like, one, two, three, oh, shoot, we've been decimated. <laughs> <laughs> like one in every 10 of us has been killed. I had always thought that it meant wiped out completely, but apparently not. I decimated is like a, like a, like, it sounds powerful. Yeah, like it's a good word. Decimated you. But when you look at the root parts of the word, you're like, oh, we divided you by ten. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. There's, when, with the, the, the debate that we were just talking about where uh, the gene engineer says, uh, your ultimate goal, Hodge, is to wipe out all mutants, which would totally bring Genosha to its knees. And Hodge basically says... Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But yes, I totally want to do that. And they're all, and then and then that's like wait, wait, what? Right. That's weird. Yeah, th- there's no no rationale uh, or reason for this deal. The time to dissolve the alliance is after our mutual goal has been accomplished, which is, I guess, like you said, wiping out the X-Men. Which if he was 
keeping that to himself, which he was earlier in the story. Like, ooh, little, little do they know. Yeah, he is. He just openly admitted to his partners that he is planning to betray them, and that he expects them to betray him. Yeah. This is not a good like partnership at all. The one natural resource you have, the thing that makes you flourish. Well, I want them all dead. Hey, Jeremy, I want to do a podcast with you, but I'm going to undercut you at every single opportunity and make you look like an ass. I mean, that's called the danger room, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All right. Anyways, yeah. uh, the the rainstorm. I think uh, does that blow in the window here, or what happens here? You just combine rain and storm. Look at you. <laughs> I'm I'm good at this. Uh, no, Cyclops. Oh, no, yes. Cyclops, Cannibal. Uh, oh, actually, Banshee. Banshee's, oh, for some reason, Wolverine here. So I don't know why they need, couldn't, couldn't somebody else have heard this? But it's Wolverine. Banshee, Sonic, Scream, Genie. I'd say the Cavalier just arrived. It's too bad we were about to do it. Yeah. I guess it's better this way. I was just about to get my freak on. <laughs> Damn it. Irish. Cannonball. And Archangel and Banshee uh, blast through the window, and they're totally planning on kidnapping the president slash prime minister. Archangel recognizes Cameron Hodge somehow. It's Cameron Hodge. You lead these Genosian madmen, but what? How? When you sliced my head off, I would. Who said I would necessarily die? That's just assumed. But through a deal with a demon and the miracle of right technology, I got better. He's mad, and so Cy- or, uh, Angel slashes his wings uh, at Cameron Hodge, presumably to slice through whatever he can, but Cameron Hodge, as we discovered in a couple of issues before, can phase uh, and did so, and then trapped his wing within Cameron Hodge's body. It feels like it would be a bad thing for Cameron Hodge because Archangel has those adamantium-laced like to like even poison tipped yeah uh, wings that like his wings are like now fused in between his wires and you think like he's got a lot of wires probably every single one of those wires is important i feel like this is giving archangel the advantage because all he has to do is start wiggling around just like yank his wing away but but he does he's like oh i can't get my wing out he's right i can't break free so whatever cameron hodge is made of it is more powerful than adamantium so it must be some weird combination of vibranium and adamantium that makes up Captain America's shield. Sure. Is vibranium a thing yet in the Marvel Universe? I have no idea. Okay. (laughs) All right. Cannonball, grab the president while I break Archangel free, says Banshee. Move, me boyo, move! (laughs) Yes, sir! Uh, Banshee shoots his mouth off at Cameron Hodge, who says... A game try, Banshee, but this is a special order body. It's made out of vibranium and adamantium, <laughs> custom built to withstand the powers of mu- my mutant enemies, as my natural body could not. But Banshee uh, instead aims at one of those statues that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if he does it on purpose, but the uh, he certainly doesn't do this on purpose. The statue's knee falls on Cameron uh, Cannonball's back, breaking his back entirely. I'm assuming. Uh, Sure. And the president says, I am grateful to you, Hodge, for some reason, and astounded at the audacity of the mutants who would attack me even here at my office state. And Cannibal's like, like you ordered your men to attack us at our school, you jerk. (laughs) Just true. Yep. 
Good callback, Ganimo. By the way, Cameron Hodge does not say anything about vibranium or adamantium. You made that I, up. Yes, uh, <laughs> I made that up. It was a, it was a clever callback. Uh, I just wanted to make sure everybody was on the same page with us. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully they're they're reading along at home. Yeah. And not just listening to this. Um, In their car, but, you know, on their drive to home. Yeah, you're probably right. Nobody's yeah, reading nobody's along reading at home. Exactly. <laughs> uh, anyways, back at the. Uh, Hammer Bay Trading Company, uh, the uh, Iceman and Cyclops, who are, uh, have costumes on right now, they didn't shave their heads. Evidently, they like attached like bald caps to their head. Yeah. They went like did a whole thing about like, ooh, this is so sticky. But yeah, anyways, um, good for them. The thing about this panel that confused me is there's that that Hammer Bay Trading Company uh, hammer mm-hmm. logo. And it is inside of a circle above a little dude. And I was like, why is that dude <laughs> using telekinesis on that hammer? And is he like, what does this have to do with anything? What's yeah. going on? And then I realized, oh, it's just a logo that is uh, conveniently placed above a man's head. But yeah, it confused me for a very long time, much longer than I, it should have. So Cyclops here in his best uh, mutate impression says, Magistrate Hurt, boss. Mutie's bomb burn him bad. We are Devo. <laughs> so they take them to the hospital. They sort of sneak in. They get the gurney going. When a magistrate's like, hang on, what do you got there? And and it's Alex again. Because <laughs> he's Alex. everywhere. Yep. Everybody's everywhere. Cyclops says, he number 666, boss. 666. Hey, Joe, took a look at this. Somebody with a sense of humor Number one, this one, six exists. And uh, that's when Beast punches through his uh, uh, blanket and says, you guessed it, chump, the number of the Beast. And and you know that when they were like on the airplane, on the way, flying with cable and everything, Beast is like, oh yeah, they oh, worked all oh, this out in oh, advance. Um, um, I got an idea. <laughs> I want to be under a blanket, and I want somebody to say that I mutate 666, and then I'm going to punch somebody, and I'm going to cleverly say that that's the number of the beast. Can we work with this? Can we build this into the plan? Maybe he didn't even tell them. He was like, I've got a wicked line that <laughs> I'm going to present, and uh, just just go with it. Yeah. Trust me. It's going to be so worth it. Whenever you can figure it out, just call me mutate 666. <laughs> I'll handle the rest. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Iceman then says somebody pushed the panic button, which. Well, the the door starts slamming closed. It's not evident at all because the lines showing the motion on the door look like they're just on the door. Oh, I, I get you. Uh, and there should be, I don't know, some sort of sound effect. maybe, yeah, Like a whoosh or something. But since this is the third time I'm reading it, <laughs> it now makes sense. But on the first read, I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. Uh, B says, metal panels slamming down to trap us. Quick, never fear, Robert, I've got it. I guess Bobby said that. Never fear, Bobby, I've got it. Door heating up, yay, like a griddle. Iceman, under it fast. And Cyclops does sl- s- uh, sneak under it. Iceman uses, oh, he's he just abandoned his uh, mutate costume completely. He's totally Iceman now. Yep. He's still got that belt. Does he need it? I forget. Where is Iceman at he, this point? He needs that belt. Okay. And if he doesn't have that belt, that means he basically just has to expunge ice all the time. Huh, he should probably do that at some point during this adventure. Yank that thing off and be like, I'll freeze you all. <laughs> he uh, put some ice under the door. 
which is good because the 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 ice is superheating. Oh, 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 Adam, he could say uh, uh, one of the one of the magistrates could be uh, could say like, "Hey, mutate, welcome to hell," and then Iceman <laughs> could rip his belt off and be like. Hell's about to freeze over. And then the next panel is a full page spread of Genosha just covered in ice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be right you. So uh, Cyclops and Alex meet once again. And Cyclops is like, Alex. And Alex says, don't call me that. Remember who you are. I'm not your brother. I have orders from the president herself. And Cyclops says, um, "Do you know who Cyclops sort of reminds me of here, uh, with his little his little metal helmet? Now he's like all muscly. He reminds me of Manny Faces. <laughs> he definitely reminds me of a He-Man character. He also really <laughs> he kind of reminds me of RoboCop a little bit. Uh, sure, because like Cyclops to us, to me at least, should just be kind of like this gawky, skinny guy." Wait, Manny Faces or Triclops? Ooh, sorry. Triclops, not Manny Faces. Okay. My bad. He also kind of looks like Krang. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. his bodysuit. Yep. But Cyclops is supposed to be skinny, fit, athletic, like he could run a marathon probably. But he's not supposed to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Masters of the Universe, ripped. Well, if you think that's hot, look at Alex's arms. They all of a sudden get jacked as well. Yeah, they're they're and the gun he's got pointed at him is also ridiculous. But you know, that's uh, like we said, Genosians have very big guns. So Cyclops is like, why even try, Alex? Don't you remember? I'm your big brother. You are never able to take me in a fair fight. And with lightning fast reflexes, he grabs the gun out of Alex's arms, swings behind him. Puts him in like a chokehold and is like, don't you remember? We were in that airplane with Gabriel, but never mind about Gabriel. We were falling down and we had one parachute and I was holding you just like this. And I said, I'd never let you go. And I didn't then and I won't now. And then Alex is like, oh, my God, it's true. Somebody's been messing with my mind. So we have a cool little flashbacky panel where we do see young Cyclops, uh, who is blonde, holding young Alex who is brown-haired. I think they screwed up the coloring there. Yeah. Um, but it's a neat little panel. They're in a parachute. The plane's going down. And, and, cool. the, and the angle works, right? Like above them yeah. could be Gabriel. Like we don't know. We can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. I don't know what actually happens to Gabriel. Is Gabriel still on the plane at this point? Or I don't know. Well, I Gabriel we'll was out. like pushed out in like a second shoot. I guess there was only two shoots. Okay. Uh, whatever. So he's somewhere else. He's above them. Um, who's Gabriel. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> and Cameron Hodge shows up, as he often does. Hey, action is happening. Here I am. Hey, everybody. It's me, Cameron Hodge. <laughs> you are defeated once again, Alex. And Alex swivels his gun and points it at Hodge. And Hodge is like, are you about to betray me? And then Alex shoots Cyclops and says, on you? Surely you don't believe I'd, uh, you don't think I'd believe this Gene Jokes lies. Oh, no, I guess not. I'm amazed. Good job. Uh, yeah. I see now how you hate this mutant who dares to call you brother. And when he dies, I guarantee it will be by your hand. And he's holding, Alex. like, Havoc is holding a gun to... He's got a little gun now. Yeah, pistol to Cyclops' head. And then thinks to himself, there's no way I could save Scott without revealing my memories returned. Uh, and there's no point in both of us winding up in jail. 
true, I guess. And Outside, I can work to aid our cause. And if anyone dies by my hand, Hodge, I swear it'll be you. Even if it takes years and years for me to accomplish this mission, I will work on it for the rest of my life. He doesn't say any of that last bit. No. So there you go. We're done. Yeah, next see X-Men 272, New Mutants uh, 50, 97, and X-Factor 62 for the startling conclusion to the extinction agenda. Be there or be square. Be square or be there. But we're not actually going to be recording those episodes. As we'll be busy with our new ALF podcast. Yes, look forward to episode one of Elf Without Elf or <laughs> or whatever happened to Willie. No, no, no. This is going to be a multi-pronged multimedia blitz, right? We're going to have Elf Without Elf. That's going to be its own thing. Okay. But then there's going to be the audio podcast where we go episode by episode uh, of Elf, of like Elf with Elf. And we're going to talk. We're going to break it all down, go scene by scene line by line, what does it all mean, put it all together, what is it telling us uh, as an audience in in the late 80s as we're watching this television show of an alien life form that crash lands on Earth. And I think his brethren were killed in that crash. Oh, maybe. Wow, that's dark. Yeah, I think as I was reading through some of it, like he, he harbors guilt for being like the lone survivor uh, of this crash. There was an episode where Rhonda shows up and he's going to leave. And then at the last minute, he's like, you know, now that I know I can get off this planet, I'm going to stick around with this new family for a while. And then he says, ha! <laughs> yeah. Um, remember Burger King had a uh, elf thing where you could buy four different elf puppets <laughs> in different costumes. There was like a chef, a surfer dude. That's all I remember. There were two more. Um, oh, a baseball player uh, and, a th- and a fourth one. And each one of them came with a um, cardboard uh, record, a vinyl. Well, it's a cardboard record with some of that yeah. kind of plastic that, yep. that you put on top of it that had the grooves that yep. you could play. And I had three out of four of them. And uh, not really sure where I'm going with this story, but uh, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that particular promotion, but I definitely had some cardboard cutout vinyl. I bet you those vinyl. four songs, and I think only three of them were songs, and the baseball one was more of kind of a narrative, um, were are available on YouTube. I'm sure. And I bet, even though I can't think of what how they go right now, mere seconds into listening to them, I would be like, oh yeah, I get this. I remember this. This is imprinted on my brain. Yeah. Yeah. As as things are. So if you if you also had uh some sort of collectible thing that you bought at a at a uh Burger King or a McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever, uh we want to know about that. What what were you what do you have, Jeremy? I had uh the Gremlins uh little books on tape. Oh, the ones with the uh, the the ding to turn the page. Yeah, it was a Hardee's promotion, and I think it was little cassettes that they like. It was the little book. Oh, cassettes! cassettes. Oh, that's interesting. I think, but it, but it could have also been like one of those records. I don't actually remember, but I do remember you know each book. And I think there was like maybe five books that comprised the entire movie. So you have to go every week to get your Hardee's oh. meal. 
I totally remember those. Yeah, I haven't I haven't thought about that. I think I may have had like one. And, and for those of you not in the Midwest or know what we're talking about, like Carl's Jr., I guess. But back in the day, it was Hardee's all day long. I can sort of picture the art of it, of the book. Don't remember any of the recording, though. Uh, yeah, and, and I also probably had, you know, three of the five or four of the five, but certainly not all of them. I had three of the four, again, Garfield exclusive cups from somewhere. Maybe that was a Wendy's thing. And I guess those are quite valuable now, but I don't have them anymore. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really have any of the cups. I wish I did, but those 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 must have been like too expensive. Like you can get your Happy Meal, but we're not paying the extra dollar ninety nine for the glass. <laughs> Right. I oh. Yeah, I think those were like a separate thing where it was like you had to buy – you essentially had to buy it. I think you had to buy a meal and then you could like buy the promotional price. Right, and yeah. We, we didn't have any of those. And I was, yeah. I was so sad. No Star Wars cups, no no Garfield cups. I had some Garfield cups and I had some Who Framed Roger Rabbit cups, <sighs> which I think I washed and they, <laughs> the, they, they ran. Oh, no. And uh, – I was so upset that I tried to draw it in with magic markers and uh, it didn't work very well. Uh, I, I can kind of see the image of the Judge Doom melted away and my sketching kind of filling him in on the glass or uh, the, the plastic cup. It was sort of pathetic. That's sad. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, let us know about your collectibles. Let us know what you think about our ongoing coverage of Extinction Agenda by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, or visit us on Twitter at Danger Room Go. Email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, subscribe to us, leave us feedback, read all sorts of reviews on, on what it is we do. Uh, or head out to Patreon.com, where we're on a little bit of a hiatus, but generally there's unique Patreon-related content uh, covering the current run of the X-Men until we get bored of it, and then we'll do something else. Yeah. Uh, and our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. True that, yo. So, uh, anything else, Adam? I think we've gone off the rails quite a bit in this episode, so we could probably wrap it up. You you feel like we have maybe overstayed our welcome? Oh, never. <laughs> oh, okay. This, this is our show. We can't do that. If you want to uh, turn it off, you probably did already. Well, if that's the case, let's continue talking about puppet-based sitcoms. <laughs> Just kidding. Are there any others? Uh, well, there's Harry and the Hendersons. Meet the Feebles? But that wasn't a sitcom. Can you imagine if that was a sitcom? I never... Did I see Meet the Feebles? I think you you probably introduced have. me to it. That's uh, what's his face, right? Um, uh, yeah, that uh, what's his Lord of the Rings guy? Yeah, Hobbit guy. Yeah, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Um, uh, dinosaurs. Show I never saw. I never really saw it either. Uh, yeah, it's pretty few. And I think I think uh, it's twenty twenty one. Everybody, I think Netflix would do well with a thirteen episode puppet based comedy show uh, and not like not like crank yankers where it's all puppets like it has to all be live action played seriously but in a sitcom way and then just one of the characters has to be some oddball puppet that nobody's ever like you're a puppet i want to i want to see a sid and marty croft thing come back aren't they dead well no I, it's not going to be sid and marty croft but in that style of kind of where you have humans interacting with 
puppet sort of characters. I guess it's sort of Muppetish, but yeah, I think that that's too timeless. Like I think Seth Rogen would try it, and it would just like be all pot infused. Yeah, that's, and that's true. It would, it would be terrible. Yeah. Although Seth Rogen's got a pretty good track record of producing stuff lately. Like, didn't he do Invincible? Yeah, Invincible's great. And he did um, the Preacher show, which wasn't terrible. Um, I was. I'm still still working my way through it, but it's surprisingly not horrible. Um, yeah, so maybe Seth Rogen could do something with it. But a couple of years ago on Adult Swim, there was a show called Saul of the Mole Men. I don't know if you remember this. No. But it was it was in the style of Sid and Marty Croft, but it was an Adult Swim comedy show. So it was like a typical Adult Swim show, but also in that style and. It was a great show. I loved that show. And I, I'm waiting for the day when they release it, some form of media. It was good. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> with that, with that. Uh, they released, that's that's my Bush on DVD. So why wouldn't they release Saul of the Molemen? Yeah. I, yeah. That's my Bush, also a great show. Yeah. And I think it was immediately canceled after 9-11. Probably before. It could be. It only lasted like nine episodes or something. Well, everybody, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. Danger room.